On today's episode of Brody and the Beard, Kelly and I are going to talk about what else? <laughs> the first two games of round two, and then we're going to look forward to see what needs to be done in games three and four. If the offense is triangular, it's something like a prism. Put you on that lockdown defense like a prison. Hakeem was the dream. The MVPs must be his children. They won 22 games in a row. That's a rhythm. Triple double rust, man. I need you to acknowledge he don't do this for the optics, man. He do this for the Rockets. Opponents Welcome to a new episode of Brody and the Beard on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mo DeKeel. With me, as always, is my man on the ground, Kelly Eco. Kelly, how you doing? What's up? I'm doing good, man. How about yourself? I'm rolling, buddy. I'm rolling. It is like a thousand degrees here in LA. The feels like the entire state's on fire, and it is nasty outside. But besides that, I'm I'm doing all right. Well, that's not the only thing that's on fire. Looking at last night. Oh boy, you wanted you wanted to jump right in with the negativity. Okay, we're going straight in. Damn. Uh, yeah, let's talk about just overall. Let's talk about the first game before yeah. we get into the the negative aspect that you wanted to dive right into. Let's talk about game one. You know, were you surprised by just the results of game one? Yeah, I think everybody was. I think nobody expected, you know, that kind of performance, especially towards the end of the game, you know, for the, for the two teams. Um, but I think... You know, going after the game, you know, LeBron said it was a feel-out game. That could be just a simple, you know, they didn't expect the Rockets to be come out like that, especially after an emotional game seven. Um, but, yeah, that was, that was very surprising. Yeah, it was, it was one of those things. First off, I think you can get caught off guard if you haven't played the Rockets in a while. And, look, they haven't played them since February, which really, let's be honest, folks, feels like 12 years ago. It, like it's you know you, you you almost forget the speed and stuff like yeah. that and listen even though they won that game in february this is a different rockets team they're playing differently they're defending harder there's there's like a whole lot more to it they're more accustomed and more comfortable in the small ball so i think game one was really interesting i thought the first three quarters it was really close and then god the rockets just blew them away in the fourth quarter um I you know, part of that was because there were times when the Lakers did show two bigs against James Harden, and he kind of had some trouble there. But as soon as they went small, or their version of small, you know, he had basically no resistance to get into the rim. And I think that was the biggest adjustment coming from a game seven where, you know, Lou Dort was all over him to a game one where, you know, as soon as you get past Danny Green or Kyle Kuzma or Anthony Davis, there's no one at the room to stop you. So, you know, game one was more about, I think, the Lakers just kind of getting re reacquainted with the Rockets' small ball than just the Rockets just being, like, overwhelmingly good, you know? Uh, and we saw in game two, you know, that they, they kind of cleaned some stuff up and it was a much different outcome. Yeah, and that was the thing that was interesting. I mean, I was harping on it on the Lakers' side in game one, just the amount of live ball turnovers they had. Like, they were incredibly sloppy with the ball. Yeah. They had 15 total turnovers. 12 of them were live ball turnovers. Like, that's insane, you know. And, and the Rockets were able to get out and transition off of that. They were able to really recap, uh, like, just wreak havoc and take control of the game because of that. And it, it was pretty uh, impressive on that respect, you know. So, 
let's and, and and the other thing too, Russ was really good in game one, right? Like yeah. Russ had a good game one. He was rolling. It was everything looked all right. Same thing can't quite be set for game two. <laughs> um, I think also with with game one, you know the Anthony Davis thing, how you know coming into the game, people made so many memes and stuff about how he was going to dominate, and yes, that's expected because you know he's a one of the most skilled seven foot that we've ever seen in the NBA, and besides going against PJ Tucker or James Harden or Eric Gordon, you know. Sometimes, and even during like game one and two, there were just times where AD would just simply turn around and hit a tough shot. Like he's just that good of a player. But as a defensive scheme, you know, you can't overreact to that. You know, if he hits a, you know, a 15 foot, you know, post fadeaway, you know, and it's single coverage and, and he's taking off like 10, 15 off the shot clock, you can't, as a defense, just hang your head, you know. But uh, in game two, there was much more LeBron AD pick and roll. You know, they played smaller for a, a longer period of time. There was no Dwight Howard in that game. I think McGee got hurt in the first half. Um, but they played faster. And I think they forced the Rockets into 17 turnovers and turned that into 27 points, which is, you know, a disaster. So I think the Lakers were able to be much more aggressive in game two. And I think... That had something, something to do with, you know, them seeing game one and, and scheming and adjusting for game two, including, you know, going zone, you know, trapping James Harden and trying to force other guys to beat you. Yeah. And, you know, when you look at game two, like, first off, that was probably the worst quarter of basketball the Rockets have played in the playoffs yeah. so far. You know, only 20 points in the first quarter, gave up 36 points. And it really looked like we were heading towards like a, a, a serious route. Like this was going to get really ugly really quickly. Yep. I think they were down as much as like 21, maybe yeah, 21. 21. 21. And I think, you know, they they did make a run. But let's I just want to talk about that first quarter first before we talk about the run that they won on. It was the the adjustments the Lakers made, I thought, were really interesting were that. They didn't just stay with one thing. Even in that first quarter, they showed like three or four different things for one Harden had the ball. I mean, yeah. in, including like a late trap, including a uh, just we're going to show bodies. We're going to get, you know, they were they were kind of all over the place in that regard. And that kind of disrupted them, the Rockets offensively, which really kind of meant their defense couldn't get going that much. And right. the Lakers got in transition, which, you know, when they get in transition, it's over. Yeah, um, I think the broadcast even they how they said it on the broadcast that at one point they were in zone and Rondo yelled out man and went back to man and I think for a defense as long as you can keep an offense on its toes you know because it's only twenty four seconds in the shot clock uh, the more time that you can run off the clock with without allowing a team to get a shot off the better and the Lakers did a great job in that first quarter specifically of showing them different looks to kind of confuse them a little bit. And you saw the Rockets kind of hesitate. You know, the, uh, if it was Austin Rivers, he didn't shoot the ball on time, or Robert Covington, you know, people just kept swinging the ball back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, trying to get hard to, to kind of bail them out. And, you know, the, I think the Lakers are too, too good of a team where you can't give them that kind of, you know, leash because <laughs> they'll take that and turn that into like a 21-point game what we saw. Like, it was just... A complete domination on the defense side of the basketball, but 
Um, give them credit. You know, in the second half, they they, they kind of calmed down. They kind of saw the, the gaps in the defense because every zone has, you know, gaps. It's all about exploiting those gaps. Um, Eric Gordon caught fire. Tucker caught fire. And they went on, I think it was a 15 or 14 Oh, run? Yeah, it was it was pretty impressive. To cut it to two. Yeah, and I think that was where they kind of got. First off, that's the way Eric played in this game is an extremely positive sign for the Rockets, right? Like, right. he found his shot. He was hitting big shots. They couldn't contain his drives. Like, he had everything going in his bag. And I, I was it, – it was pretty impressive to watch it because it just really felt like the Lakers had – no idea what to do with him. He had 24 points, 6 of 12 from 3. You know, I thought like, okay, that was pretty impressive. And and they were rolling. I mean, they took a lead. It looked like at one point, like, wow, this is going to be a full-on Laker collapse after building a 21-point lead. Right. And they, you know, sort of uh, kind of just took over at that run. And it was the ultimately the biggest problem is, and we're going to, and it, it comes down to Russ, right? We got good Russ in game one. I Bad Russ doesn't quantify how bad he was in game two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that was downright awful. Um, I just think game two, it was the rest of, that we've seen at times, you know, him out of control, trying to perhaps a bit frustrated by the Lakers zone and their aggressive defense trying to run through it at times and just simply losing the ball time and time again. I think he had seven turnovers after the game. Um, one four for fifteen from the field, just didn't look good at all. And after the game, you know, he was asked. Um, I think it was yeah, it was Ali that asked him because if you look at Russ during the season, even when James has been on the floor and he's been trapped, there are a lot of times Russ will attack those closeouts. Like he won't settle for threes. He'll put pressure on the defense, using his aggression to get to the to the rim. But against the Lakers, he was. It was, he took seven threes. That's not that's not your game. Like he hasn't done that in I don't think he's taken seven threes this season ever. I, I can't remember. Um well it it goes to even a worse issue because he took five in game one, too, and right. that's still too much for Russ. Right. Like remember we all got excited when Russ was like maybe taking two threes. Two a game. two threes a game, yeah. Right, yep. right. And yep. now and now he's two for twelve in two games. Like that's that's brutal. And then like if you want suddenly- to look at even yeah. It just, I mean, you want to even look at worse stuff. It's, you know, 10 total assists in two games, 12 ter- total turnovers. I went back and watched game two again and just kind of counted the the live ball turnovers for Russ. And, you know, of those seven turnovers he had in game two, five of them were live ball turnovers, you know, and, and it's it, it leads to fast breaks for the Lakers. You know, it led to the uh, – Caruso lob to LeBron for a big dunk that kind of gets them going in transition. It led to a transition play where it looked like Russ and House had no idea who they were guarding. And, you know, LeBron catches it and finds Marcus Morris, or excuse me, Markeith Morris for a dunk. You know, like it's just, it kind of discombobulates the entire team. And it, it really, they look their best when Russ was off the court. You know, and we always kind of talk about it you know, the best way to beat those good teams is to limit your mistakes and to limit chances to give the other team easy points. And I think the Rockets did a bad job in game two of doing that. Just too many too many sloppy possessions. You know, you can't have 
you coming down the court and losing the ball in, you know, four or five seconds every time. It's not going to work. You're just putting more pressure on Harden. You're putting more pressure on yourself to kind of see if you can weather the storm. And I think in game two, perhaps there was a bit of pressure on them to try to go up 2-0, you know, understanding that, you know, yeah, the Lakers were down 0-1, but if you could somehow get it to 0-2, you know, now you're really cooking with gas. So I do think there was a bit of pressure on them, but credit to an aggressive LeBron, credit to AD, credit to Frank Vogel, and, the, and credit to uh, Rondo. Um, I think he had, yes. I think he had a great – he was a great, I guess, facilitator and just a great overall player in that game. I think it was a plus 28. Um, yeah. You know, especially considering how much the Lakers fans love to, you know, Oh, they hate, trash him. They, they go out him. of their they go out of their way. And, and, and obviously, some one. of it some of it is warranted because you know he hasn't played great this season. But I think in this kind of series, especially if the Rockets are going to treat him like Lou Dort um, and kind of dare him to shoot, he has to you know take those fifteen footers, and he did a good job of that tonight. But you know what the problem night. is with doing that, Kelly? Right is it gives him a chance to create for others. Like, that's the one thing. He's like, Lou Dort can't create for other guys, right? You can do that going like, there's really nothing else he can do. He can either shoot or drive the the rim. Like, Rondo's going to try to attack to find other guys to the point that he had nine assists, six in the first quarter, you know, and, and he can disrupt in other ways, you know, five steals in the game yesterday. Like, you know, Rondo is going to be up and down a little bit. I mean, forget the fact that also game one was his first game in six months. And, you know, he, he got hurt just as they got to the bubble. Then when he got healthy for round one, he started to have back spasms. So it's not like he was in full form, you know. And when you play him the way you played Dort, it's a little bit difficult. I mean, because, yes, you will be fine with you will live with Rondo shooting all series as well. You should. But if that allows him to get into the lane and then find a a, a pass, now you're in trouble because now you're in rotations. It's kind of similar to how I always say teams shouldn't be laying off Russ as far back as they as do, right? Because, yeah. yeah. you know, you're giving the guy a runway. And I think – and here's the thing. They're not like – this isn't a brand breaking – this isn't like a brand new strategy to put on Rondo. He's seen this his entire career. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, after the game, you know, Russell Westbrook said to, to credit about, you know, him not being aggressive and just settling. He said he, just, he was just, um, what was the quote? I'm tip of my tongue. Um, I'm running around. Yeah, there you go. I'm, I'm, I'm running around on offense. I have to look at the film to figure it out. Now, from from what you've seen in, I guess, your your – NBA career, your coaching career. What are the three best ways to attack a zone, like a 3-2 zone? I mean, I think the first thing is you just want to find ways to get the ball in the middle, right? Like once you get the ball almost at like the nail of the free throw line, the zone tends to collapse and it opens things up. I think the other thing is you want to drive the gaps, you know, because every zone kind of has that area where like if you move the ball from side to side, boom, there's a there's an opening that you can drive and attack. And I think it's just cutting a little bit. It would, would open things up. And I think it kind of makes things a little bit easier on your offense because it manipulates the zone. Like the, the best thing for the zone is just keep the ball on one side of the court. You know, that, that allows teams to load up 
and ISO and, and I mean, excuse me, really kind of just load up on the isolations and, and, and make it difficult. So I think that's one of those things. You know, the other thing too, though, Kelly, and this was, this was again, interesting when, you know, it looked much better again when Russ wasn't in the game. When the Lakers would go to that soft trap, the Rockets killed them. You know, they did a great job of, you know, James got off the ball real quickly. The guy who the first pass out of that immediately swung it to the next guy. Like there were times where it got to PJ Tucker in the corner. There was, you know, opportunities for everybody, Eric Gordon, like any time. And, and I thought that was a, a great way for the Rockets to attack that. And I was impressed with how quickly James got off the ball in those situations. I think also to your point about the uh, zone, whenever James was, was in the middle of the floor, you know, obviously being the great playmaker he is, he was able to find those gaps and seams in that, in that, in that zone defense. Now, um, in, in reference to like how them, how they came back in the game, I think that was just them finally slowing things down and seeing what was in front of them. Because the worst thing about a zone is if you panic, you know, and you try and rush things or, or look for bad opportunities. I think they did a good job of slowing things down. Now, where I think they lost the game was, and it, it's really, it's really, it's really a fine margin. But to me, it was the two minutes at the beginning of the fourth quarter where you don't start James and you try and gamble and see if the Rockets can hold off for. I think it was a three point lead or a two point lead, mm-hmm. and that and that turned into a six point deficit in in a minute and a half. And then I think the Lakers had, at that point, the Lakers already had the momentum and, and the emotional swing in their favor. And and you saw D'Antoni bring James in, but it was too late because, you know, now LeBron is cooking with gas, AD, and everyone's cooking with gas, and it's just too Man, much to overcome. That's your favorite phrase right now. I know, hey. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I got that from, but I'm using it a lot. You've said it at least 12 times on this podcast alone. <laughs> Um, you know, the, the thing about that quarter though, too, is like the rocket shooting really kind of abandoned them two for 12 from three. I thought, you know, it it started to kind of get away from them, you know, um, again, just Russ taking three threes in that quarter alone is, is problematic. I think altogether though, I think there are some positive stuff they can, the rockets can take away from game two. And there are some things that, like, I'm still a little bit worried about. But right now, Kelly, my my bold prediction still holds. I still think it's Lakers in five. Yeah, I got I got nervous after game you one. You think they went in three straight? I'm I'm just saying it still holds. Okay, it's still viable. It's still there. <laughs> I don't know if they're gonna win three straight, but I'm just saying it's still out there. Um, let's look ahead to the next. Uh, Game three and, and, and maybe even game four. But first, a word from our sponsors. You like that, Andrew? See how slick that was, Andrew? I'm smooth like that. All right, Kelly. Let's look ahead now, right? Because you, you, Russ has already said, like you said, running around he, 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 like a chicken with his head cut off. You know, now he's going to look at the film and try to find opportunities of where he can attack. What do you think going forward in game three, the Rockets need to try to look to do? I think they need to get back to what got them there in terms of this smart, aggressive Russ, you know, not the wild, aggressive Russ, the one that 
you know, attacks the basket, attacks those gaps, those closeouts, looks to put pressure on, on a Lakers team, which is going to be daring him to shoot. You know, you can't play into their hand. Like, just the same way the Rockets were able to force the Thunder into their hand, the Lakers have done that in game two and parts of game one, too. So I think the Rockets have to get back to what got them there, which is, you know, staying the course defensively, having to win those emotional moments. You know, there are times in the game where you see emotional moments, the big swings in the game. They have to capitalize on those, on those, on those, uh, those gaps. And I think if you could, if you're gonna rely on your shooting, it's too tricky. Like you, you can't just rely on your shooting because that will abandon you at times. And we saw that in game two. We saw that in game one. You can't rely on a, a, a team as tricky as this to to help you. And, and the Rockets are actually plus forty four in game. That's that's the bad thing. They were a plus forty four in threes in game two, and they still lost the game. Like right. You can't rely on the three pointer all the time. You have to rely on other parts of the game, which is you know your mistakes, the turnovers, and your defense. Um, you know, you know that AD is such a great player. Whoever is fronting him the post, Tucker, Harden, whatever, he's still going to get his at some point. He's too good of a player. LeBron's going to get his. But it's all about delaying those chances, delaying those points, and kind of slowing that rhythm down. If you can if you can deter LeBron and AD early from, you know, getting to that sweet spot, you still have a better chance. Where we saw in game one, him only taking 16 shots to game two, where he took 25. It's all about rhythm and it's all about aggression. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to how they handle their turnovers, right? Like, I'm sorry, I'm going to harp on it all the time because it's just so important. I mean, in game one, they still, the Rockets still turned the ball over a ton, 16 turnovers, but only gave up 12 points off of that. You know, 17 turnovers in game two, excuse me, I'm trying to pull up there, 17 turnovers in game two. And gave up 27 points. Like that's how you make up. The, that's how the Lakers make up the difference. In three point. You, you know the disadvantage they have in three point shots. You know they were dominant in the paint. Lakers had 54 paint points to the Rockets. 26 in game two. In game one it was 40 to 42. Like it was an even match. Like that's really where these things are going to matter. Like for everything we talk about. The Rockets playing the math game. They're going to make more threes than you. And they're going to force you to turn over the ball a lot. And that played out in game one, didn't really play out in game two. And I think that's really kind of where it's going to come down to. And the one thing I think is promising about Russ that makes me feel a little bit better is that we saw him have a bad, terrible game, game six last series, and he played pretty well in game seven. So, you know, I kind of think we're going to get a bounce back game from Russ. But they, but they got to be able to figure out how they're going to defend this Laker team because we talked about it. You know, they started to get in the pick and roll more. They started to attack a little bit more out, getting into the paint, and were more aggressive attacking the paint instead of just trying to straight post up. Now, in Game Three, what do you is there going to be a certain X factor for Houston? Do you think it's you know Daniel House, his threes, or you know PJ Tucker? Because I. To me, it seems like game one was the best game Houston could play in terms of how they handled, handled the situation. Um, game two, to me, it felt like the Lakers saw that, you know, sucked it in the face <laughs> and ran all over it. Now, game three is going to come down to who can withstand, you know, who comes out of the gates with more, you know, panache. 
So I don't know. I see I see your point about the you know, the Lakers and five thing because it just seems to me like the Rockets had a golden opportunity to go up 2-0, and they didn't. And now it's like, okay, well, here come the Lakers. <laughs> I mean, it's just – it's the one thing that scares me, and you said it, they hit 22 threes in this game and didn't win. Like, that's – you know, you had Eric Gordon 6-12, 4-7 of from P.J. Uh, Tucker, 4-8 uh, of eight Robert Covington, 4-8 of eight from Harden. Three of seven from Daniel House. Like, those are all good shooting numbers. You know, like, that's a game. When you when those guys shoot like that, you're going to walk away with a win. You you had that and didn't win. And it wasn't like at the buzzer. I mean, it was close, but you still lost by eight. You know, it's it's tough. Like, I I have concerns in that regard because I don't know if you're going to get that shooting again. This, I mean, the, they don't shoot it that – they shoot a lot of them. They don't shoot them that well. Yeah, um, it's risky. Like it's 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 a gamble, and then we saw it in game in the fourth quarter of that game. Two of twelve from three, like that's you know what I mean. You <laughs> it hurts. Yeah, um, I just don't see. Obviously, there are ways to get better, but I think, and I and I, I don't want to say the Lakers figured them out because it's only one game, but they kind of did in terms of. They got the best. They they actually withstood the best shooting game the Rockets could give them so far, which is twenty two threes. That's a lot of threes. Yeah. Um, and they were able to find other ways in the game to to extend their advantage. You know, and I think the Rockets are going to have a lot of those games where they have 12, 15 turnovers. Like they're just going to play or try to play to, to the Lakers' speed, and, and I think. The most interesting thing to me is that the Rockets have been losing the non-hard minutes a lot in this playoffs. I think <laughs> right. in in game two, Harden sat for nine minutes, and Russ and Eric were on the floor together. Offensive rating was only seventy one point zero, and defensive rating was like one hundred and fifty five. And yeah, and the- part of that, sorry to interrupt Kelly, but part of that was when Russ picked up picked up his fifth foul. Yo, he stopped defending. He conceded four or five straight layups. If 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 he's not gonna be any use to you defensively with with five fouls, you gotta sit him. You can't play. You you, you gotta wait a while. You can't put him just. You can't risk it at that point because he just gave up eight twelve eight to twelve points just on that. Yeah, and um, he said that after the game where it was like, you know. You just have to be better. Like you can't, you can't rely on certain things all the time. Like this is the playoffs. Like things are not going to come easy. You have to find ways to maneuver and manufacture offense. And if you can take care of the ball, and the Rockets have done a great job of taking care of the ball um, in the playoffs. Like up until well, this series, obviously. Right. But I just think part of it is just the whole factor of being the Lakers you know you want to beat them at their game you want to have big moments against LeBron James and stuff like that and it came back to bite them in the butt um so game three I'm not too confident in their chances honestly Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna leave Rockets fans with this because normally I'm the negative guy right but I'm gonna leave them with this and and it's the rare occasions where I'm positive I also don't think the Lakers are gonna get 16 points out of Markeith Morris. I don't <laughs> think they're going to get 
nine assists out of Rajon Rondo again. You know, like I just don't like those were games where those guys stepped up, they hit big shots. I mean, Morris was like made his first four threes. Like he was just on fire in that first quarter. And I think I just don't know if you're going to have that again as well. So at the flip side, there are concerns I have for the Rockets. I also think there are some things that happen in this game that I I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see again all series. Yeah. So what are your predictions? No, I'm going to stick with my game. <laughs> Acres and five. Just going to roll with it. It's going to be it's going to be your mantra. Just gonna go just just in this series. Just gonna say Lakers and five. We'll see what happens. If I have egg on my face, are you changing your prediction? You have Lakers and seven. Um, nope. Okay. Well, we'll be back probably after Game Four, uh, and then we'll talk about those games. So for Kelly Eco, for Andrew Schleck, for me Mo DeKeel, we out.